My name is Dr. Bart Precourt. Welcome to the Health Made Simple podcast. These podcasts will help you create simple strategies and simple habits so you can get back to being the best version of yourself. Hey everyone, Dr. Bart here and welcome back to the Health Made Simple podcast. Great topic for you this morning. And this is, again, just a reminder that Health is simple, that our bodies, we are designed to be healthy. There's this amazing innate intelligence that literally knows how to help our body heal. The challenge is that sometimes we get in the way. Sometimes it's the way that we're thinking. Sometimes the way that we're moving our bodies or not moving our bodies. And sometimes we interfere with what we do or don't put into our bodies. And that is the part that I'm going to talk about today. But sometimes we interfere with our health when we actually think that we're actually taking some healthy measures. So today is really, it's really all about gut health. What, you know, how can we enhance our gut health, but really the impact of taking things like antibiotics can have on our gut health. And I, and I want to say right from, from the start here, listen, I'm not against antibiotics, but no matter what tool we're going to use, and I'm all for having the right tool for the right job no matter what tool we're gonna use. Let's make sure that the tool is gonna do more good than harm. And there's a time and a place for every tool to be used. So I wanna say that from the beginning, because often people think that, you know, Dr. Bart, he's anti-medication or anti, you know, the medical world, I'm not. But I am all about giving our bodies the tools that they need to prepare themselves to be the best versions of themselves. So really, that's what today's conversation is about. In fact, I'm going to go a little deeper. I'm going to, I'm literally going to give you some amazing like keys and tools here. These are like these are gems for you today. Um, if you choose, let's just say you get you're getting sick. You, you have a head cold. You have a sinus infection. You got a choice at that point. Do you choose what a lot of people commonly do? And you say, well, I'm just going to go to the doctor and get an antibiotic, or and if you do that, there's a five-step process that I'm going to encourage you to use. It's, it's one that I've come up myself over the last you know, two decades of practicing of what do we do if we do take an antibiotic? Because listen, I get it. It's real. People take antibiotics. And I'm not even saying that they don't work sometimes. Sometimes they can kill off bacteria. Do they have side effects? They, they absolutely do. And I, and I want to make sure you understand that even if you are successful you know, fighting off you know, that sickness or whatever it is that you're trying to fight off, there is a side effect. And that's maybe the most important message I want to send to you today. And then there's a five-step process that I'm going to walk you through of what to do to make sure that you can then kind of counterbalance the negative side effects of your of the antibiotic use. And then let's just say you choose not to use the antibiotic. You just got to cross your fingers. No, I'm going to give you a strategy today of exactly what to do in, in the case that you feel sick, you got a head cold or something, what are you going to do? So with all that being said, and keep doing your thing, if you want to send this out, share it with someone that you love, share it with someone that you think could benefit from this information, or just hold it tightly and, and you know, and just rewind and replay it as, as you need. So let, let's dive right in. So let's, let's chat about antibiotic use first. So let's just go to the name. Anti means no, and then biotic. The word, let's break it down. The word bio means life. So really what, when we take an, an antibiotic, we're talking about something that is not life. We're talking about killing life. So it's an anti-life pill. And really the anti-life that we're talking about is antibacterial. And we have good bacteria in our gut, 
And hopefully we don't have too many bad bacteria, but that in theory, when you take an antibiotic, you're trying to kill off very specifically a type of bad bacteria in your body. The challenge is that, here's the side effect, inevitably you will be killing your good bacteria. There's not an if here. You're always going to kill to some degree and often a very massive degree, your good bacteria. So an antibiotic versus sometimes you hear, you know, when you think of a probiotic, that would be pro-life, we're going to grow that bacteria. And I'm gonna get into that in just a little bit about how we combat. Because sometimes we think, oh, if I take an antibiotic, I just need to take a probiotic. Partially the answer is yes, but we're gonna get into a lot more detail and have a much more pinpointed strategy of what we're gonna do with that. So, and here's a challenge. Listen, again, I don't, I, I think it's a tool for the toolbox. The challenge here, I think we try to use that tool for every job out there and it's not designed for every job. In fact, we, you know, I think it's, you know, we're, you know, literally I had someone come into my clinic yesterday and said, I'd run down to the uh, grocery store, literally where there's a pharmacy, like they're picking up a pack of gum. They had to run down to the grocery store and pick up a Z-Pack. And a Z-Pack is an, uh, is an antibiotic. And now we, we pass it out like candy. In fact, you can get antibiotics free. And so we haven't, we're using the wrong tool often for, for different, for jobs that they just don't apply for. So let me speak to that for just a moment. When you get the common head cold, most likely it is viral, not, not bacterial. So when you take an antibiotic for a viral situation, it doesn't help. And that's what we see most of the time. If you guess right and or your doctor guesses right and they say, well, I think this is bacterial and you take an antibiotic, maybe you can kill off some of those bad bacteria. You're still killing off the good stuff, but at least you might kill off some of the back, bad bacteria. So your common head cold, the flu, different you know, inflammatory sinus issues, most of those are more viral at the base of it versus being bacteria. So a lot of times we're using the wrong tool because I see every day. Someone gets a head cold, they're all stuffed up, they're getting, they call it a sinus infection, and they use an antibiotic. And then it didn't work, so they use a second one. Or maybe it's um, something in their chest, and they're on one, two, or three rounds of antibiotics. Hey, listen, if that's you, absolutely got to listen to the five-step, what do you do if you do use antibiotics today? Make sure that you follow this process, even if this is something in the past, because the side effects of an antibiotic very rarely are in what we call a time of, of the essence. It's rarely in the moment. It's downstream. It is days, weeks, months, years later that your body really expresses the negative impact of a single dosing of antibiotics. So again, put, pay close attention here. So we have good bacteria and bad bacteria, and the challenge is that we're killing off the good and the bad when that happens. So how, how do we know as doctors if you have something that's bacterial or viral? And the answer is oftentimes we don't. <laughs> that's, that's the honest answer. So symptoms that you know people think you can go by, oh, you got bad breath or you got green or yellow mucus, that's often been labeled as bacteria, but that is not accurate. accurate. That can also be viral. So I guess really one way you could do a culture and find out, um, or you could do something like a white blood cell differential, um, where you can do some blood work, and you get to look at things like your neutrophils, and that usually an elevated neutrophil count could often tell us there's a bacterial, something bacterial going on, or your lymphocytes might be up, and, and that might tell us that it's more viral. Or if they're flipped over, that might tell us that it's chronic. But either way, the challenge here is this. Although those can be 
tools to help us figure it out, they're very rarely used. Listen, we all want things in the moment. So when you go to the doctor's office, quite frankly, you want to walk out of there with some remedy. You don't want to walk out of there and just say, well, call me when you get the lab results. So that's how things have kind of gotten messed up, that we just automatically are using antibiotics, these anti-life, these bacterial killers as our tool, no matter what the job is. And that that is really what I'm speaking to today, that we have unfortunately started to use the wrong tool for the wrong job or the, the one tool for every job and has created all kinds of challenges with our health. Because as I'm going to dive into here, if we disrupt, if we disrupt our gut flora, we disrupt, disrupt our overall well-being. And the challenge, again, this is not a one-to-one time relationship. So we don't take the antibiotic and then feel the disruption in our hormones. We don't take the antibiotic and develop anxiety overnight. We don't take the antibiotic and have weight gain overnight. This is what happens weeks, months, and years later of down-regulation of the human body, of of the way that the human body is supposed to work. So there is a direct correlation in the way that your gut, which has this microbiome, talks directly to your brain through a little gland in your brain called your pituitary gland. So there's a direct connection there. So everything that goes on to your gut is basically speaking to your brain. And if you kill off, you kill off a lot of those messengers, the microbiome, the good flora, the message going to your brain simply isn't going to be be an accurate message. And that's what I mean by throwing off human health. And that pituitary gland is associated and connected to something called your hypothalamus gland. And many of you have heard of that one. Your hypothalamus gland is the mother of all your hormones. So follow this path here. You take an antibiotic, you kill off your microbiome. The message between your gut and your pituitary gland slash your gut pituitary hypothalamus gland is now disrupted. And as a result of that, it downregulates or disrupts hormone function. And this is really important because this is where we see even anxiety, depression, imbalances in hormones. All of this start with this simple using the wrong tool for the wrong job. So in that really using an antibiotic that kills off good gut flora. And there's, a, there's other options. And that's what I want you to take away from today. Never a wrong or right. And that's why I'm going to, you know, there's only we, we get outcomes and then you get to make another decision. And that's why I'm giving you a five step process, which I used to think, man, I shouldn't give this to people because then maybe they're going to use more antibiotics. I'm hoping that you continue to educate yourself the best that you can. And you only use that tool when it's absolutely positively needed. My personal opinion, we're, we're passing it out like candy. We're no longer using it as a, the right tool for the right job. We're using it as try this, see what happens. Um, all right. So how do we determine it? You, that's the difficult part. You usually don't. So what is our approach? You really have two options here. You And well, here, here's, here's, and maybe in the big picture, we have to understand this too. And this is where I think we'd be overall, we've kind of got a little bit soft, quite frankly, in that we, we all, and I'm guilty of this too, we want things fixed here and now. So listen, if you have a viral infection, typically, if you have a virus going on in your body, typically the lifespan of a virus, if you are taking care of yourself properly, and if you haven't 
If you don't know what that means, listen to, I just did a podcast on the three laws of healing. Go back and listen to that because these three laws of healing will apply to exactly what we're talking today. So if you have a virus, think of a window about seven to 10 days. That's pretty typical. If you have a bacterial issue going on, a bacterial infection, usually it's, so I'm sorry, the viral, repeat this. So I'm going to go back to this. If it's viral, it's usually about five to seven days. It's usually kind of short-lived. If it's bacterial, typically it's a little longer, seven days, 10 days, 14 days. And that's, of course, if we don't interfere. But once we interfere, it's the leash is off. Anything goes at that point. Even a, even a good practitioner can't predict what happens when you start to interfere. And how do we interfere? We take medications, we take drugs, we do something that interferes with the mind-body connection, and we're no longer playing with the full deck of cards here. So the, and here, and I mentioned those time frames because oftentimes we take an antibiotic and it still takes five or seven days or seven or 10 days. So if we apply the three laws of healing, which is really all healing takes time, all healing takes place through what's called cellular replacement, which we got to put new cells back in there, replace them with better cells. I mean, we got to pay attention to things like nutrition and then the law of supply and demand. So the law of supply and demand, when our bodies are breaking down, when we do not feel good, we must apply the application of rest. So that kind of dives me in. The direction we're going to go first, you know, imagine if you had this chart on the wall and it says, you know, your first thing you got to do is you got to make a decision. And if you make a decision to take antibiotics, you go to the left and there's five steps. And if you choose to take the natural route or whatever you like to call it, the most, you know, uh, humanly um, supportive route, you're going to go to the right. And in that direction, we got really three steps. The very first thing, if you have signs and symptoms of a cold, of a sinus infection, of something that's bacterial or viral, and you don't even have to classify this, but you're just getting sick. First application, got to rest. Listen, we only heal when we rest. And that might be one of our biggest challenges because very very often we are unwilling to slow down. Does that mean you have to stay in bed all day? Maybe, maybe not. But maybe that just means you go to bed an hour earlier, maybe two hours earlier, and you allow more time for your body to heal. Because if your body's working on producing through the day, energy, mobility, movement, digestion, then you can't use that same energy to fight off things like bacterial infections or viral infections. So number one, we heal when we stress. So what we're looking, I'm sorry, we heal when we sleep. That means parasympathetic activity. So we want to decrease stress, of course, and that stress. So hear me closely here that, and that's why we know that stress can make us sick, that too much stress overburdens our body and viruses and bacteria have an opportunity to express themselves in our body because we're weaker. So that stress, when you're not feeling good, and this is the one that comes up a lot in a lot of the uh, clientele that I see is that you have to take a break from your workouts. (laughs) So when you exercise, you are putting stress on your body. And this really comes down to knowing thy own body. This comes down to the art of listening to the body. I see so many people, and I used to be guilty of this. This is a big lesson that I learned. I used to be guilty of this myself, that I used to just push through everything. I figured, heck, if if there's something going on, I'll just work harder. Well, that's not always the case when it comes to our body and healing. So hopefully over time, you know when to push, but also when to put the brakes on. And this is the art of healing. And I know that those of you who like to work out, you know, five times a week, seven days a week, 
that you have a mental wrestle match with taking this break, but it's imperative. If you want to heal and do it in such a way that doesn't cause more damage, you will heal faster with more rest. So just kind of keep that in mind. The second, so that's number one. If you want to heal natural way from a sick or a cold, sickness or a cold or an infection, one, you got to make sure that you rely on proper rest time. And then second is nutrition. And I know you knew I was going to bring that up. And there's a couple of things here. But this is what I want you to most of all understand. When we are not feeling good and we have a bacteria and or virus, hey, listen, we got to get rid of the sugar and we want to reduce the carbohydrates for a couple of reasons. One, sugar, a tablespoon, a teaspoon of sugar down regulates your immune response time for 30 to 60 minutes at a time. And hear that again. A tablespoon of sugar, teaspoon, a teaspoon of sugar, which like in a, in a Gatorade, there's like 15 teaspoons, but a teaspoon of sugar will downregulate your white blood cell response to a bacteria, to a virus. And this is important because unfortunately, when you're not feeling good, one of the ways that we habitually try to feel good is by eating sweets. Is by eating carbohydrates, eating sugar, eating candy. And it could be bread, it could be a muffin, it could be pasta. So if you have this understanding, you have this now in your, your mental toolbox, when you're not feeling good, do not feed your body carbohydrates and sugar. This is a time, in fact, in the category or under the umbrella of nutrition that I love to incorporate intermittent fasting. So at least, which means that you take a break from putting any kind of food that you have to digest for at least 12 hours, maybe a little bit longer. Will that be a little stressful for your body? It could be, but listen, your body's going to be needing to be able to avoid feeding the bacteria or the virus. So that's why it's so important. So it's not, so sure, that's what sugar does as well. If you have a bacterial thing going on in your body, it loves sugar. It's gonna beg you to feed it more sugar. The more sugar you feed it, and again, sugar could be all your carbohydrates, the more carbs or sugar you feed the bacteria, the more it grows. That's the bummer when, these antibiotics are passed out like, you know, a pack of gum or candy now. You know, we don't have doctors out there saying, hey, listen, if you have bacteria, assuming you're getting an antibiotic because you have a bacterial problem going on, they should also be telling you, hey, listen, you need to modify your diet right now because if you're eating carbohydrates and sugar, you are feeding the bacteria. So make sure that we, you know, back off on that because we don't want to feed the bacteria. Also, we don't want to downregulate the immune system. So whether you have a bacteria or a virus going on, that's going to apply the same. And then number three, which is really the important part, kind of the part that you're waiting for here is when we have something going on in the body, we're starting to feel sick and we've cho chosen the natural route, which is the way that our body, you know, to fight for itself, we're going to give ourselves tools. So these are the weapons that I use in clinic. And we have to be really strategic about what weapons we use. So again, I'll mention them here today, but I really encourage you that you find a practitioner, functional medicine doctor, a nutritional, uh, you know, a clinical nutritionist, someone like myself or another health coach that's familiar with this, that has these strategies, these proven strategies, these proven, proven protocols that they've used with clients or with themselves over and over again to kind of guide you through it. And then most likely, You'll have this in your toolbox yourself for really the rest of your life. So the weapons that I use, the beauty here is that we have some amazing, amazing tools out there when it comes to fighting bacterias and so anything that's microbial, bacterial, viral, even parasitic for that matter. They're amazing 
herbs out there that can really do some ass kicking. Um, and I'm going to share some of those with you right now. Yet, it doesn't matter. We're going to assume that we don't know if it's bacterial or viral. So the goal here or what we, our approach is going to be, we're going to tackle both. And there's some very specific types of herbs that I use. So, for example, one of my favorite antibacterial, antimicrobial, antiparasitic, immune-building herbs is a very little-known herb called myrrh. And it's spelled M-Y-R-R-H. And listen, you, you're going to absolutely need a, 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 a high-quality source here. And it needs to have a very specific strategy on how you use it because it will create a lot of kill off. But this, again, antibacterial, antiviral, it's immune boosting. And that's what a lot of these herbs can do. So this can go and kill off a lot of stuff for us, which is absolutely fantastic. It's called mirror. It's one of my favorite, but I only use it two to three days consecutively. Then I do a clear out period and then I go back and do some more killing. This is one of my favorite ones that I'll use on a long-term protocol for the people that come to my office. And I see a lot of these people that they're just not well. They've been to doctors. They've they got lab work. They got all kinds of stuff. And they're just not doing well. And I, even myself, I review the lab work. Maybe we do more labs. And we just can't figure it out. And there are stealth pathogens that lie within the body that maybe we get lucky and do enough testing and find specific things. But this is part of what I call my stealth protocol. I use this herb mirror for the people that just aren't well. And I use this for a low dosing for long, for, you know, I say long, but 60 to 90 days, which really in the, in the, when it comes to building health is really not a long phase, but I'll use this 60 to 90 days um, for those people. But back, back to our main topic here, when, when we're opting, say, we're making that decision, antibiotics or not, if I don't use antibiotics, I don't want you to just cross your fingers and just hope that you get better. No, let's have a very specific strategy to attack the pathogen. So the first one I use is something called Mir. I use a very specific company called MediHerb. And of course, you can call our clinic and call our office and we will give you, you know, we'll happy to help you with the protocols and what to do, um, you know, where to get it. Um, but I use a, a company called MediHerb out, out of Australia. It's part of Standard Process Company and they're fantastic. And then I use another one so Mir is one of my stronger ones for antibacterial. I use another one called artemisinin. And I'm probably saying that wrong, but it's called, I'm going to say it again, artemisinin. And this is my best, strongest one for, it's antiviral. Now, it's not antibacterial, but it's antiviral. We want to attack both of these. Because listen, when you get it like something like a, you know, the classic sinus infection, head cold turns into a sinus infection. Most of the time, that is the sinus infection that, that, you know, congestion that you get up there is caused by all the histamine released from the liver. Now, once it's up there, so it's viral in nature, causing a histamine reaction, but then causing a potentially bacterial state. So we, again, we could have both and you take antibiotics, they do or don't work, you're on several rounds and then it downregulates the body and you end up in a mess down the road. So that is why I apply both an antibacterial and an antiviral herb here. So I use Mir Artemisinin and then I use a combination herb and again, I get that one from MediHerb. I use another one called Vironon, which is actually a combination product. It's three different herbs together and these are, these are fantastic. And little known, some of these, one of them is called Thuja. Thuja is antiviral, antimicrobial, antifungal, and antiparasitic. So there, again, when you really find someone that uses herbs, 
good, high-quality herbs as the tools to fight things, the, the, that's where you need to go. Those Because we can use, and clinically I do this all the time, you can use herbs to do some phenomenal things for the human body. They truly can become medicinal for you. But that Viranon, I just spoke of it, it has licorice root in it, which everyone knows is uh, an adaptogen herb. That's antiviral. It's anti-inflammatory. It's even a tonic for your adrenal glands. Um, the thuja is antiviral, antimicrobial. It's antifungal, antiparasitic. And then St. John's wort. And a lot of times people think about this one for its amazing effects on, you know, helping people with depression. But St. John's wort is antiviral. So it's a combination product there. And again, there's a very specific protocol. And every one of our cases, your situation is a little bit different. So again, if you, I encourage you to find a practitioner that is, familiar familiar with using herbs as part of their tools because they become extremely powerful in helping us fight off like literally kill pathogens and this is a little bit different than just supporting your immune system with a, a diet which of course is going to be high in anti antioxidants which is your fruit and vegetables and then maybe even supplementations like high levels of vitamin d for your immune system high levels of vitamin c or really the complex c so those other strategies are important as well but they won't necessarily doing the killing off of the pathogen that I'm talking about now. So again, those, those are your three steps. If you choose the natural route, one, make sure that you apply the, you need time, which is we must allow for rest. We got a more, we heal when we sleep. And then of course, number two is nutrition. Incorporate some intermittent fasting, get away from the sugar because not only does it downregulate the immune system, but it could potentially feed the bacteria. All right, so then, of course, then number three, the weapons that you use. I use some amazing herbs that I just mentioned there. So if you did choose to use an antibiotic, and again, that's always a choice, no bad or goods. Listen, I grew up on antibiotics. I grew up on milk, cereal, and antibiotics. And, and I think I'm like a lot of Americans who did that. And as a result of it, we're dealing with lifetime, you know, or, or what were lifetime challenges with our guts, thinking that, that that's normal. Um, you know, now fortunately, I use these strategies that I'm giving you today to help heal those up. And listen, you will continue to always be working on your gut and thinking about healthy gut strategies because it's not just antibiotics. I'm just, I'm just targeting that today because it's so frequently used and it's, you know, we pass out antibiotics like we do candy. Um, but there are other things like glyphosate and, and GMOs and environmental toxins and stress and all other things that can downregulate gut health. So I'm just scratching the surface with antibiotics. But this is these five steps will, at least four of them will apply if you're just trying to heal your gut. This is how we do it. So first step. So if you've chose antibiotics, especially if you've done a couple rounds, if you've done them recently, this first step applies to you. If you haven't done it, it's been a couple of years, you're just going to do steps two through five. If you've had antibiotics recently or needed them recently, you still apply number one. And the first one is you kill the pathogen. So we go back to step number three, which is we apply the herbs. Mir, artemisinin, uh, vironine, which could be like licorice root. It could be thuja. It could be St. John's wort. So we're going to approach, approach this as we may or may not have killed the pathogen within the body. It could have been micro, you know, microbial, could have been bacterial, could have been viral. So we're going to take the approach that we still need to go in there and kill it that it might not be completely gone. So we're going to continue to use 
some of those herbs to do that. Some good foods like garlic is a nice natural antibacterial. So when you're not feeling good or you think you got something going on, just incorporating things like garlic can be very medicinal for us. Um, all right, so that's step number one. Step number two is to incorporate, and I think this is probably most people are gonna be familiar with this one, is to incorporate probiotics. But I'm gonna put an asterisk next to that one and say, but before we do that, so I want you to hold off on the probiotic, really, because I want you to hear me out, that we want to apply prebiotics. So prebiotics are non-living, they're really non-digestible by humans. So that's the insoluble fiber that helps clean out our, you know, clean out the intestinal system, but it serves as food to our friendly bacteria within our own gut. So that's what we're trying to feed is the friendly bacteria. So we need a prebiotic first and then applying a probiotic. It, that's really the strategy here because a lot of probiotics do not have prebiotics. I, I use one and a lot of my other colleagues that are, you know, functional medicine or clinical nutritionists, doctors, they use a probiotic that has a prebiotic in it. So it's kind of an advanced formula. I use something called prosynbiotic by, by uh, standard process that has both a pre and a pro. And the reason we need to do that, especially with the pre, we need to give our bodies, before we start to put in the flora to start to kind of just kind of put it back in there, we need to feed the flora that's in there, that prebiotic. And there's a, there's, you know, specifically what, what are some of these probiotic things, things of, uh, think of things like um, artichokes and carrots and radishes. Even apples are prebiotics. Uh, heck, dark chocolate, coconut flour, flaxseed, hemp seeds, pumpkin seeds, chia seeds. These are all types of uh, ginger. These are all types of prebiotics. Uh, cabbage is a prebiotic. So these are all good things. Garlic, prebiotic. Beets, prebiotic. These are all good foods that if you have taken a, a pro, you know, an antibiotic, you kill it off, but simultaneously, so you can be killing and taking a pre-probiotic together. And if you don't want to take the supplement, start with your prebiotic foods like those I just mentioned again, artichoke, radishes, carrots, cucumbers, um, asparagus, all of those are prebiotic type foods. And then we can apply our probiotics. And then that's when you apply. So if you're not going to take a supplement that has both, do the prebiotics for about 30 days and then start to incorporate fermented foods. And those are things like your kombuchas. Those are things like your sauerkrauts. But I usually wait for about that 30 days. So we make sure we're not feeding the bad bacteria as well. So we want to make sure we kill it off, give it the prebiotic, and then start incorporating some of the probiotics. So it's kind of a, a or you can just take the supplement that has both of them in there. So then the third part of this, this strategy is a high veggie, low carbohydrate, low sugar diet. And you knew I was going to go there. So and again, we're going to wait for about 30 days to incorporate the fermented foods. So high veggie. Why are we going to do this? Specifically things like your, cruci your cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, kale, because they are great cleansers of the gut. So we, we don't want to feed the bad bacteria. In fact, when we take an antibiotic, the technical term, what happens is we create dysbiosis, and that is a disruption in the gut flora, a disruption in the balance of good and bad. 
And when we kill off some of the good, the bad guys can grow, but you won't let that happen because you're not going to feed them carbohydrates and sugar. But you're going to use these high fibrous foods to come in there and start to rake them out, literally like a rake on your lawn. You're going to start to clear all that stuff out. So we're going to go high veggie, low carbohydrate, low sugar, and we're going to avoid, avoid very specifically dairy, gluten, sugar, and even peanuts, because peanuts can create a little bit of an issue there as well. Um, and then what are we gonna do? So we've started, we killed it, we added our prebiotic and maybe even a probiotic. We got the high veggie, low carbohydrate, low sugar diet. And then we start to very specifically to restore our gut. And one of the ways that we're gonna do that, I like, you can use bone broth, it's one of my favorite, because especially if you've used, if you have a long-standing gut issue, if you like me, I haven't I haven't touched any about you know uh, antibiotics in over a decade. It's probably been longer now. Yet I used them a lot growing up. So I developed like most of the people listen to this. You develop something called leaky gut. Now we got to heal that up. Everything I mentioned up to this point is part of that process. But some of the really good tools for healing the leaky gut, things like bone broth and coconut oil, and just start to incorporate those on a daily basis. You know you can drink the bone broth. You can make it at home. You get powdered form. There are many ways you can get into your body, but it's something that I actually recommend you take every single day because that's such a beneficial impact on gut health. And remember, gut health, brain health, connected, interconnected, hormonal health, back to gut health. So many things rely on your gut to be strong and be healthy. So it's one of those good healthy habits. Coconut oil, regular. So I put it in my smoothie every day. I put it in my coffee every day. Uh, bone broth, same thing. I put it in my smoothie and I put it in my coffee. So good strategies. Another really good strategy in helping you to grow back your gut flora properly, to balance out the dysbiosis, balance out the good friendly bacteria versus the bad guys. It's intermittent fasting. And there's, you know, I've done some other podcasts on this. If not, I'll do one shortly. And there's a lot of great information out there. But intermittent fasting really just means that you take time off from bringing anything into your gut so your body, one, can burn up what's there, maybe kill off the bad bacteria, and then flourish what, with what you put in next. And those are really important strategies. So just intermittent fasting and then putting bad stuff in it's good, but again, it's really not doing the complete job here. So give yourself that opportunity. And I encourage you to start with 12 hours and 12 hours of intermittent fasting. The clock starts with your last meal at night. So if you have your last meal at seven o'clock at night, 12 hours would be seven o'clock in the morning. As long as you don't have any food that you have to digest, you've gone 12 hours of intermittent fasting. And that's a great starting point. Now, can you can have water, you can have, you know, like a black coffee, you can have bone broth, those are all fine, but really nothing that you have to digest or would add potentially food for that bacteria to, to feed off of. All right, so those are your five steps. First, kill off the pathogens. So we're gonna go with our herbal support there. Use a prebiotic and probiotic, that's number two. Number three, high veggie, low carbohydrate, low sugar, folks. This is so important that we do that. So listen. After probiotic use, let's, let's, let's attach this to what's going on with weight gain. When you take a, an antibiotic, you kill off the good bacteria, you kill off the good gut flora, most likely you now will have less of ability to absorb your nutrients, meaning your vitamins and your minerals, even some of you break down some of your amino acids. And this is, this is a big deal. What that does to you, you start to crave food more. 
you start to increase appetite because you have a nutrition deficiency. So you eat, but you're never satisfied. And that because you're unable to break down your food. So as a result of that, you eat more and more food with less and less satisfaction. Inevitably, this is the path of antibiotics. Take the antibiotic, kills the gut flora, can't break down your food. So therefore, you need to find the simplest food that your body can convert to fuel, which is carbohydrates and sugar. So you become a carb junkie, you become a sugar junkie. And listen, I hope a bell just went, for many of you, a bell just went off in your brain, just ding, 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 that's you, that's, that was me. And this also is the person who is constantly grazing, constantly snacking, but never a big meal, because you always need something to stimulate that bad bacteria and feed the body because you're running on, you're, you're burning up and you're not having enough nutrients supplied to the human body, supplied to the cells. So you're always looking for another fuel source. If that's you, let the lights go off and say, hey, man, I got I to gotta heal this stuff up. And that's where, even if it's been a long time, go back, kill things off, use the herbs, you know, and again, use, find someone like, you know, again, find a practitioner that can help walk you through this. If you, and if you're not certain, wonder, I don't know if I have a gut issue or not. I, I have a tendency to eat like that. I've gained some weight because that's where the gate, the weight gain comes from. In fact, it actually comes from because over time, of the inability to absorb and assimilate those nutrients, you develop something that's called insulin resistance. And the more insulin you produce, the more fat you're gonna hold on to, the more really you're gonna create larger fat cells. So remember, insulin is a fat storage hormone. And if you keep eat, eat, eating carbs over and over again, raising up your blood sugar, your body releases insulin to try to combat the negative effects of high blood sugar. So your body releases the insulin, it goes, grabs onto the sugar, and it stores it into a fat cell. And this cycle happens over and over and over again, and that's where the weight gain is caused by antibiotics. It's not like you eat them and they're high in calories. They're causing a down-regulation of the way that your body simulates nutrients, and therefore you need more food and you release more insulin. And there comes, that develops that, that weight gain. So... <laughs> Again, same strategy, one through five, kill it off, use the pre and probiotic, high veggie, low carb, low sugar, restore the gut health, bone broth, bone broth, coconut oil. And one of my favorite herbs that I use here clinically is something called golden seal. That helps that mucosal lining on top of the microbiome. It's like a secret weapon to really restore you know, your gut back to optimal health there. And then of course, using some intermittent fasting. So the, that's how the weight gain happens. How about anxiety? Like. Can, do people develop anxiety as a result of antibiotic use? And again, the answer is yes. And again, anxiety is not a diagnosis. It's really, well, it's a description of symptoms. And what happens here is this. I already spoke to the fact that you have this microbiome in your gut. So they got all these little bacteria, which have their own little you know, communication skills. And they want to talk to your brain. And they're going to tell your brain about what's going on, what you need, what you don't need. You know, tell your brain, hey, listen, we're under attack here. Send off some white blood cells. So there's this matrix of communication that's taking place. And then all of a sudden, we dump in an antibiotic and we just wipe out a part of that, that army, a part of that force, maybe half of it, maybe even more than that. So now we don't have the communication with the brain, which is a direct communication between the microbiome in the gut 
and your hypothalamus pituitary. That Those glands right there are the master controllers of your hormones. And that is something that determines how your body's going to utilize some a hormone called serotonin. So serotonin is your feel-good hormone. It's also the one that helps us sleep at night, but that is your feel-good hormone. And when we run low on things like serotonin or dopamine, that's when anxiety and depression come. And, and serotonin is made in the gut with those friendly bacteria. We need those friendly bacteria. So when we eat things, we have our magnesium, we have our tryptophan, when we have all these different amino acids, our body can take those nutrients and convert them and help make a hormone called serotonin that your your brain uses, your hypothalamus, pituitary, uh, pineal gland, use that serotonin to ba basically balance us out and make us feel good. If we can't make it, we don't have it, and that's where the anxiety comes from. So again, I, I told you earlier that it's not a one-to-one -one relationship in terms of time. This is what happens over time, a day, a week, a month, two years, 10 years, a decade later. And that is why we have to look back. We have to step back and say, hey, what were my habits? What were my patterns here? And I look at mine. I grew up milk, cereal, antibiotics. You'll hear, if you hear my podcast, you hear me say that all the time. I went through that for several decades of my life. And as it was, but never restoring my gut. At least I never had these five steps here. So make sure we utilize these. And again, these are tools. These are the tools that we can use, whether we've made some decisions that weren't great or we have to make some in the in the future coming up here. So again, that gut brain connection, it is powerful and it's real. It's the microbiome to the pituitary to the hypothalamus to the hormones, and that is our gut brain connection here. All right. So if you're on antibiotics now or you've been on recently. Follow steps one through five. If you decide that you want to say, hey, listen, I don't want to go on antibiotics, but I want a strategy. And of course, I'm not playing your doctor on this, right? So these are these are up to you. But I do you know, encourage you to seek someone out. Um, then you would follow the first three steps, steps one through three, for taking the natural route. There is a test you can use if you are curious to find out, do you have an imbalance? Good. Do you have dysbiosis? Do you have fungus? Do you have mold? Do you have candida, which oh, so many people have? Do you have any of these things? There's a very specific test. I love it. It's called an organic acid test. It's an at-home test. Really, really simple. It's a urine test. You take it, send it out. We get the results. We go over it with you. And then we create a very specific strategy on how to get your body healthier so you can overcome some of these gut disruptions. Beyond that, that test, I absolutely love that test because it also shows me how well your neurotransmitters are functioning. So it lets me know where are you when it comes to what levels of serotonin, dopamine, epinephrine. So it gives us so much detailed information. It's called an organic acid test. And, um, you know, of course, we'll be happy to send one out to you and help you with that. Or maybe ask your practitioner if they run that test. If not, um, you know, the, the interpretation is the important part always. And then with a strategy develop after that, but that is a fantastic test to do just to find out where you're at and what you need to do for specifically for your gut. Cause you might be a little bit different strategy if it is fungal versus mold or bacterial, et cetera. So, uh, an organic acid test, really, really good way to just kind of measure things. And it even gives us, um, some markers on how well your mitochondria is function, mitochondria is function or dysfunction, vitamin levels, your functional vitamin levels. All right. So again, folks, uh, that's my wrap for here today. That's it on 
kind of an overall look at not only gut health, but what's happening if we do or don't take antibiotics? What are our strategies? And listen, you don't have to cross your fingers and just hope you, you know, you don't have to hunker down and be like, I'm going to do the natural way, but and do nothing. That's not a strategy. So hopefully this is, um, you know, opened up your eyes or an opportunity for you to take a strategy to take action for your health, for your mind, for your overall wellness. Remember, health is simple. Our bodies are designed to be healthy. We got to get out of the way. And if we got in the way, be willing to then get in the way in terms of get in the way of making some health for our body. So um, again, if if you want us to, yes, I I absolutely do, you know, phone consults. We do Facebook or Skype, whatever works best for you. If you want to follow me and see some of the other things that I do, I do a live Facebook post every day, a simple health tip, a quick one every single morning. So you just follow me on Facebook and that's just at my name, Bart Precourt. And then follow me on Instagram as well. We always put some cool stuff up there and that's at at Dr. Bart Precourt. As usual, y'all have an awesome day. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Health Made Simple podcast. If you have a question or email you'd like me to answer or a topic you want me to cover, just go ahead and send us an email. To get my simple health tip on a daily basis, Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Bart Precourt. And remember, your body is designed to be healthy. So let's make this the healthiest year of your life by taking more action than you ever have before.